Well, I feel like I'm just going to be like Keanu and Bill and Ted and just not really care and just be excellent. What I don't want to be is the Keanu from this movie standing in front of the TV on Tuesday night. Going, <laughs> Wrong! Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom-coms and then report our findings onto the interwebs for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. I feel like I skipped something in that, but I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Max, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm sipping on a... One of my first Moscow mules of the season. <coughs> nice. It's officially chilly vodka mule weather. So I, I'm feeling <laughs> it. Feeling it. What about you? I'm doing well. I've got uh, a glass of orange Fanta and water. <laughs> so nice. you know, you know, same difference. <laughs> you know. Throw a little that, tequila in that Fanta and you got yourself a party. <laughs> that cold weather soda with Fanta there. <laughs> um, I want to start off the episode by giving a shout out to a former guest on the ep- or on the show. Uh, my sister, Rebecca Sanchez. Uh, oh, yeah. she, it, is her, it is her birthday today. This well, episode birthday, is out on her birthday. So shout out to Rebecca Sanchez. She's 27 years old again so uh, <laughs> shout out to her um love you sis thanks for all the support always so 27 yeah. is a uh, solid year yeah. yeah i i enjoyed my 27th year so. yeah 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 uh, late 20s really yeah. we're, we're decent yeah yeah uh yeah it, yeah absolutely um yeah so but not to be confused with 2020 of course. Was in the vision or the show? In, or no, what? as in twenties. I was making a number correlation and it didn't work. <laughs> so I was saying late twenties and then twenty. Yeah, it, it, that's where my brain went. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is coming out the day before election day, right? Election day is Tuesday. This is coming out the day before election day. The election day is the next day. Um, so we're, I think that's as much as what needs to be said about yep. that. Um, uh, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see you all on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> next week we'll have a new episode um, with a different movie that we've talked about and whatever else. So uh, yeah, um, I think we've made our views clear. Yeah. Um, Get out there and vote and, um, if you haven't already. And yeah, um, yeah absolutely, hundred percent. So you know, um, so <laughs> what have you been up to this week? Oh God, what have I been up to? Fucking nothing. Um, 
Watching movies, yeah, that's it's been Halloween movie after Halloween movie. Um, played a little uh, zombie Call of Duty, which was fun to get in the mood for. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, life has been pretty much in a lull, just waiting until, I don't know, the season changes and the election happens and COVID kind of winds down a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I've been sports gambling. Um, <laughs> that's that's been my life. Oh yeah, uh, I guess I, I watched the World Series to end this to or to start the week. So. Oh yeah. Watch the little, watch the Dodgers. Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> Look, as a, as a Giants fan, I would like to say shout out to the Dodgers for finally winning a championship since 1988. Yeah. Um, welcome to the winning circle, guys. It's good to have you back on top with, you know, our dynasty. I got, I got a couple friends who, you know, love the Dodgers, so they were pretty pumped about it. Uh, one of my friends uh, from college, he's a Lakers and a Dodgers fan, so he's uh, especially horrible to deal with right now. I can imagine. Um, you know i liked it earlier in the decade when i could make fun of him for both of his teams one for choking and one for being terrible Um, but now i i I just have to deal with this shit well he's he's also he's a miami dolphins fan in football so (laughs) that evens out yeah so it works out And besides, you can still give him shit because it's 2020. Neither of those championships really counts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. LA, you guys, you finally got some championships. Okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else knows it's. You know, it's like it's like when you go to you know when you have to travel to a remote place for a wedding. Like nothing you do at that weekend counts towards real life. You know. Speaking of, we watched Destination Wedding this week. Jesus. The starring vehicle for Keanu Reeves, who was in last week's movie, Always Be My Maybe, and Winona Ryder. It's the first time we have Winona Ryder on here. Uh, there are other movies where she's in rom- she's in rom-coms as well. But yeah, and it's basically, as they would say in Hollywood speak, a two-hander. Basically them two and them two alone. They are the only two listed as There's, actors in really? the Really? There's a name yeah. for that, huh? Yeah, it's a two-hander. Well, we don't actually ever see anyone else. Yeah, you just see a bunch of extras. You see, you know, you see the bride and groom. You see the mom. You see the ex-husband and his new <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. And like, well, the, and not even, like, the actual father, which... We'll get to. <laughs> yeah, that I, I had to rewind that whole scene. We'll get to oh that. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. but this was your but this was your first time watching this film. This was my second. I uh I had watched it uh a year to year and a half ago. Um actually like not too long after it came out in twenty eighteen, which was late August, um they uh, it came out on Amazon Prime because I think it was distributed by Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it was 
One of those where they put it in theaters, but then it was on Amazon Prime pretty quick. One of those deals. Uh, and I remember watching it, and I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. Uh, which we'll get to that kind of opinion here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is my second time and I definitely enjoyed it again. And we'll, we'll go into that a little more as we move forward, but this is your first time. What did you think? Uh, it was, it it was definitely something I didn't expect. It was a a new format, which I thought was kind of cool and unique. Um, yeah, that's the, what is it called? Two, two hand. Was it a two hander? Two hand. That that just uh, you know, there's the amount of people in a scene and right, know, the amount right. of people controlling things, but yeah, so it's just an extended two hander. I I kind of I enjoyed seeing that as a difference too. A lot of this movie was very different, like as you set up last week, from the types of rom coms we usually watch. So I I definitely enjoyed having that mixed up a little bit. Um, but I was so unprepared, even with your, your preface last week going into it, where I was just like, Oh, this like, I'm like all up in their conversation, like nonstop the whole time. I'm just like part of their conversation. Cool. I dig this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So Let's go into the stats of the film. So this Destination Wedding is a 2018 American romantic comedy drama film written and directed by Victor Levin, and it stars Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves. Uh, They are two strangers who turn out to be attending the same wedding in Paso Robles. Or Paso Paso Robles. Robles. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes, but it's actually um, pronounced Paso Robles. Paso Robles. Everyone says it that way. But it's Paso Robles. Uh, the film was released August 31st, 2018. Uh, it's got a running time of 85 minutes. So they get really? in and get out. Yeah, they get in and get out. Yeah. Which I appreciate and like. I, like, I do definitely always appreciate that time. Yeah. Uh, the budget for the film was $5 million. It was theatrically released in the United States. How much did it make in the box office in 2018? Uh, 18 mil. 1.7 million. <laughs> oh my God. As I mentioned, it had a very odd distribution situation there where it was just like they didn't know when to release it. They didn't. They yeah, they knew that it was going to be on Amazon Prime a bunch, so they kind of just were like, ah, let's put it in some theaters, and then we'll... That's strange. Yeah. So it was one of those where it would have ended up in, like, uh, I've talked about Salem Cinema before. Right. Uh, shout out to Salem Cinema. This is one of those movies that it probably would have ended up there more than the Regal Cinemas. In Salem, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it was more of, like, an uh, alternative film or what indie film. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you're going to run into that. I mean, with that kind of low budget, you're going to run into that kind of low box office too, especially because I don't know if it was nationally released through indie films. Which I kind of got the vibe from anyway, where the whole thing is dialogue. There's very little, you know, like scene setting or backdrops or like, you know, where budget would be spent in other big budget rom-coms where they, you know, set the mood and all that shit. 
it didn't have any of that. It was very f- without frill. So it, it had that indie film vibe to it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, something I found out off of here on Wikipedia. I mean, it may, it may or may not be true, but Frank is a half brother to Keith. Oh, yeah, I knew that in the movie. Yeah. Okay. I just thought that they had the same father and then that second guy was just like someone who was in their life as like a stepdad who has since divorced the mom. Yeah, it's and... it's subtle and confusing, but he does say on the plane ride over to uh San Luis Obispo in the very beginning, he says uh we have the same mother. He doesn't say uh, he's my brother or that we have the same right. parents, so it's subtle, but yeah, he catch that. And then there was like one other time at the end, he mentioned something again, very subtly in dialogue, but anyway, yeah. Gotcha. Well, there you go. Uh, so I just found out <laughs> not from the two times I've watched the film. All right. Um, <laughs> well, that's, so... that's the trade-off with a lot of dialogue is you really have to pay attention. Like I found myself yeah. Really straining to make sure I was paying yeah. attention the whole fucking time. And I did not rent the film. I uh, found ways to see it, and that me that meant not being able to turn on closed captioning because uh. <laughs> that wasn't an option. So I would have had closed captioning on if I had rented it, but I did not. <laughs> so. I was I was a little angry this morning when I thought it was still on Amazon Prime because I thought Amazon Prime had the rights to it. And then I realized they were asking me to rent it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. I just no. I went and rented it because I was like, you mentioned it was on Amazon Prime. And I was like, well, it is here. It's just four dollars. Yeah. I thought that it was a legit, like already included Amazon Prime movie. And I was like, oh, no, no, sweetie. No, no I'm not. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, on Rotten Tomatoes, based on 86 reviews, what? what percentage does this film hold? Mm, this is a tough one. Because this could, this could go several ways. I'm going to say... You know, I would say ride that thought. I, I don't know which way to write it. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say 20%. 51%. Oh, that's see, what I meant by ride that thought. You, you could have gone one way, you could have gone the other. So the critics went both ways. So therefore, boom, right in the middle. 51%. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, so more about the release date as well. It was released in theaters on August 31st, but then it was released streaming a week later. So I watched it after it was released streaming. So that was another reason why I didn't make a ton of the box office. Because, hmm. um, yeah, they just, I think they released it in the box office just so like critics could technically review it, slash if there were any sort of awards to gather, then then you know you have to release it as well there what, was time, a rule where you had, what time of year was it released again 
August 31st. That is kind so, of a weird time. Yeah. It, if you release a film, you have to release it through theaters in order to have it uh, considered for Academy Awards. That was an, a rule. I don't know if that's still a rule, especially now. Um, but like, there would be films where they would release it in one theater in New York, uh, like for one showing, and then it technically counts, but then it wouldn't be like wide release until after the nominations were announced. Sort of thing. Uh, so like only Kirk's got to see the screener, and they technically released it for one night in you know one city, so therefore it could be considered for the Academy Awards. People would game the system all the time. That's so, so fucking weird. They just felt like one of those where they didn't know. Well, like they knew it was going to be streaming, but they uh, they wanted to try to see what they could get out of theaters for a week before streaming it. I would have thought they would have timed it with wedding season and make it in like May or June or something, you know. But <laughs> alas, they did not. So uh, a few uh, reviews here. Um, Kevin Marr of the Times in the UK wrote, this is hands down the most ridiculously overwritten film in the history of rom-coms, possibly <laughs> even of all movies. Um, while Hannah Woodhead of Little White Lies, I guess a blog or something, gave it three out of five and wrote, given that Winona and Keanu are old pals, they have an easy chemistry together, even playing such utterly repugnant characters. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, if anyone's watched Groundhog Day, um, you might get this. Uh, it's basically the Phil and or Philip Dissemblian of Time Out wrote, it's basically the Phil and Rita dynamic from Groundhog Day, only with two fills and a fifth of the jokes. <laughs> I did actually get that sense while while watching it. I was like, this has a lot of the Groundhog Day feel to it. <laughs> and then uh, Robbie Collin of the Daily Telegraph in the UK gave it three out of five, saying, the Reeves writer double act deserves nimbler, sparklier, less overwritten material. But in its absence, this passes the time amusingly enough. It does, and as we said, it's not a lot of time to pass. (laughs) Yeah, so that was the whole idea behind this film, that, like, the whole idea was, hey, we got Keanu and Winona together. Like, that that was the big selling point of this film. Oh my god! Oh no! Okay, it, I just saw that in my uh, that this movie's on Hulu, but it's with a premium subscription. So. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you still need to pay for it. Ah uh, no no sweetie no no and it, uh, no 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 Superman no here Superman no here. Um, no here. So, <laughs> but I like <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, going back to the film. Uh, that was the thing that it was the selling point. Was like Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, you know, acting in a rom-com together. And everyone was like excited to know that that was happening when like the trailer came out. And then the movie actually came out and they realized, oh, they're not acting like, like a quote unquote normal rom-com. Yeah. They are doing something completely different. 
And this is something that uh, I, for something I wrote in the live tweet, uh, you can read my live tweets from this morning on the Twitter account, bro, the stone pod. So at bro, the stone pod, uh, the hashtag used was DWBTS because uh, destination wedding is too long to hashtag from, in my opinion. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> I said this movie may be made for an audience of one. And I am that audience. (laughs) I just like, I thought the, just like the whole two narcissists who have horrible traumas to deal with and are just, you know, not necessarily fun people to be around because they're so self-centered, but yet their orbits cross into each other. To me, is so interesting and enthralling, especially when it's Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves doing it. And you can tell that in real life, because in real life they are good friends and that shows through and like, yeah. And it's just, and you can tell the camera, you can see the chemistry between them. Just I could totally see the two of those motherfuckers being friends. Yeah. Oh my God. Those two fucking weirdos being. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Yeah, I would I would enjoy like an hour's worth of coffee just observing that friendship, that dynamic. <laughs> just like eavesdropping dropping the, on the yeah. like at a coffee shop and Yeah, all. exactly. Like, just sitting there taking some notes and jotting down observations going, "The fuck am I witnessing right now?" So there's this movie they're going to film in like the kind of the wine hilly country of Central California. Uh, and Paso Robles. <laughs> oh, you mean Paso Robles. <laughs> Winona Ryder can't pronounce the town name correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and so Keanu is the one can say, no, it's Paso Robles. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. <laughs> well, I, I think from someone who agrees with a lot of the stuff coming from those, from those uh, reviews as well. And, who walked away from it with, with similar thoughts. I will say that the, the most unique and the most redeemable thing about the movie is exactly that their dynamic watching Mm -hmm. these two extremely flawed, weird loner people be brought together. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think it's wrong for you to, to gravitate towards that aspect at all. I think that's, if there is one thing that this movie is actually made to be about, it's that I think. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And that's like, and I just love how, so for me, I love what is called, um, like in sitcoms or on television, they're called bottle episodes, which is where mm. like the show takes place in one setting and it's just all dialogue and all how the characters are interplaying in that one setting. And that's why I love Cheers so much because everything was at the bar. Right. And it's just like, and everything, it's like, it's like watching a play. Like everything's in that one setting. Right. You see everyone make, as much of the space as they can. Um, and so I love that. Like, I love those where it's just like, you're not introducing necessarily 
a situation for these characters to be kooky in. It's more of that's when like when there's usually a bottle episode, that's when you're using what you've established with these characters and you're allowing their behavior, their established behaviors to interact with each other in a way that's interesting. Right, right. So um, you're, you're really ultra focusing on their interpersonal dynamic and how the exterior re- environment around them cultivates yeah. the dynamic and, and impacts yeah. it. Yeah, like the exterior dynamic is not necessarily, a, you know, what's affecting them. Right. It's more uh, just their interpersonal play. Yeah. That that we're, that we're focusing on. Um, so, th- so this movie has that feel because it's literally just them two, like just the two of them in every scene. <laughs> like, and I just love like they just keep framing them in the same way with the, with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I love my, I think my favorite setting of, for them was when they're in the bubbles for like, they're obviously <laughs> playing like bubble soccer and they're standing off to the side. I did. The yeah. I enjoyed that. I love that. I and, think my favorite yeah. camera angle was like a couple scenes before that, when they're in the, um, uh, Oh my god, I'm blanking on the term, and I shouldn't be as a wine drinker. The cellar, for fuck's sake, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah. Uh, the cellar, and they're in between the stacks of barrels, and they're peering. They're always peering behind the camera. So like, yes, whatever is happening in front of their eyes is behind us. Exactly. Which I thought was it. It sets up for some really clever camera angles. I, the whole I see. I agree with that. It's clever. It's unique. Uh, and you really focus like you can't help but focus on the two of them. Right. And so everything that you see and observe about that environment around them is through their eyes as well. You're seeing how it, how it interacts with them. You're getting, yes. you're only observing their environment indirectly through how it interferes with their, you know, narrative, which is very okay. interesting. And then that scene where you see them in this cavernous stacks of, of cellar barrels and they're just, they're hidden in the shadows peering through this crevice at what can only be imagined as a group of people from the wedding behind the camera. And they're just spending the whole time so incredibly bitter and cynical about these motherfuckers. Yeah, just like who the fuck goes drinking wine at eleven a.m. Like they're on a wine drinking tour of a cellar in the fucking morning, on a Saturday before the wedding. Yeah, and they're just like, "What are we doing?" Like that's just that's like what's going on in their head. Like, what are we doing, guys? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, it's, that part I did enjoy, awesome. where it's like they're always yeah. standing on the sidelines, and you're getting this very unfiltered, very raw. Um, dialogue about whatever they're witnessing. And like, it, it's just all of their comments just popping to their head, which from a rom-com perspective, I can say is like the base argument for a successful relationship there. It's like, well, you're already op- opening up entirely around each other and completely unfiltered with your thoughts and your, and your, the, the things that pop into your head. So I mean, what I'm about to say may ha- may be better suited for therapy, but 
goes. Um, <laughs> That's what this podcast I, is at this point. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. I feel like I'm a narcissist, not necessarily in like a repugnant sociopathic way. Like, I think I do. Like, I care for people. I care about people. But I also wonder if I do things because it's the quote unquote, like how things are supposed to be done. Like, if that's the right way to do things, that's the right way to care for people. Mm. But like, and not necessarily because I want to do them. And that's mostly, and it's mostly because like, that's why I think I like this movie so much because it's so introspective on the main characters, the main characters alone. And that's how my internal mind goes towards any sort of thing. The way they think, the way that they talk, the way that they observe situations and have made opinions. And they're just saying them out loud as opposed to just thinking them. Cause if that other person wasn't there. They'd be thinking the same shit that they're think that they're saying. They just would be thinking it instead of saying it out loud. Right. So they just have, to have someone else to hear the sounding board of thoughts going through their fucking head. And so I, I just, I connected with that very much so, which is why I think I like this movie so much. Cause like, I know that person and that person is me just not to such a repugnant extent. <laughs> like, I, like I'm not as closed off as Frank, but I am as narcissistic as Frank. <laughs> as I feel right. Like, I can be. I would say um, I think a lot of our generation is similar. I, I don't think I, you're at all removed or an outlier to that equation. And, and this and this fucking pandemic and quarantine oh, has absolutely. really increased that for everyone. Uh, yeah. I mean, anyone I think with half a brain uh, grew up with some sort of level of expectations being placed upon them, and that's just that's just part of growing up is getting past of some of those expectations and weighing the ones that you're like, okay, enough of this shit of what people expect from me or what society expects from me. What do I expect from me? What do I want? What is my inner dialogue telling me? And trying to focus on those voices instead of the constant influences of everything else around you. Otherwise you will end up like Frank and what's her name? Lindsay. Lindsay. I don't think like, I think, I think those are both of them are like examples of what we all, especially millennials can turn <laughs> into Yeah, where it's like, eventually you start out life with all of this, this raw potential where we all grew up thinking like, we're going to do something. We're going to be someone, we're going to go out and conquer something. Mm -hmm. And then you get out into the real world and it's, it's a shit show. And yeah. you, you, you are very, very threatened by the possibility of, I could become very cynical. I could become very depressed. I could become over analytical like Lindsay. I could, uh, what did she say? She had PTSD. And then he's like the poor person's PTSD or rich person's PTSD. That's what it was. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. what that's, you could easily say it's, you know, millennial PTSD or, or. Uh, adulthood PTSD or whatever adjective you want to add to it. I think it's just, it's something that is, I think finally surfacing more and more and people are finally admitting more and more, but it doesn't mean the issues haven't always been there. And I think you yeah. actually saying something about it is, is good that you feel that way. 
Yeah, that makes me feel more like a narcissist and less like a sociopath, which there is a there is a <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. You're, you're well in the you're well in the safe zone. I, yeah. I, I'm in the good part where I just am constantly <laughs> introspective, not the bad part exactly. where I don't give a fuck about other people at all ever. Doesn't he <laughs> doesn't he say something in the movie about it keeps me from being a a sociopath or a murderer yeah. or something, so I count myself yeah. lucky. He said yeah. something like that, so you're not far off. Like that when he mentions that, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 that's me, that's me, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I totally, I felt with with him, I felt with both characters. They both had different aspects that I was just throughout the movie going, oh yeah, I fucking get that now. If I'd watched this mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago, probably not, wouldn't understand. But yeah. Uh I feel like something else that I kind of, not to the extent that Frank has, but um, let's say a terse, non-existent relationship with the biological father. (laughs) Mm. I would say that's currently my situation, which, you know, is fine for me. I'm, I, I feel like I earned it by the time I turned 30 to not talk to him anymore. Uh, <laughs> is your privilege and your right as an adult. Yes. yes. As an adult and, and, and dealing with his shit. Um, but, uh, and I'll, yeah, but Frank's relation or what happened between Frank and his father, it's just like the fact that Frank is how he is now in this film is almost like a, a, a miracle in and of itself, as opposed to like him being even worse. Cause Jesus, that's a traumatic experience. <laughs> well, yeah. Which of course beckons his comment about not turning into a mass murderer of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So what actually fucking happened here? So his, his father so tried he, to like, shoot him? well, basically they, or uh, Lindsay asked about his father, Frank's father, which we find out, you know, half sibling of Keith. So she never really got to meet Frank's father. Um, Frank's father, he he mentions that Frank's father died uh, ju- uh, jumping out of a seven story window. <laughs> and then I, I, I love Lindsay's inner monologue of like, well, huh. why wouldn't he just. Like, was there a higher floor he could have climbed up to to jump out and ensure that he died? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the narcissistic way. It's just like, <laughs> I love, like that's where the mind goes. Where it's like, of all the things you're thinking, you're like, yeah. The initial thoughts, just like, I feel like there's a better way of doing that. Yeah, I feel like he's passed it, and but <laughs> but then. Um, and then they find out, or then he goes even further and says that basically they were having an argument where, um, like, where basically the dad was saying that he's like basically Frank was uh, a re- or not a reward, um, a product of all the father's bad choices in life, and so drunkenly and was filled with regret. He shot Frank. The dad shot Frank. And <laughs> Frank 
then rushed at the dad. Uh, and basically, the dad then started crying and couldn't believe what he had done. And then, through his distraught nature, jumped out the seven-story window. Did he jump out, like, right then? Like, in front of Frank? Um, or do we know? Uh, we don't know if it was, like, in front of him or not. But we do know that Frank had a chance to, you know, end the dad. And didn't because he didn't want to fuck up his own life. Which, once again, that is the narcissistic way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that's a that's a very calm way to deal with yeah. that situation. That's a good yeah. One. Which yeah, once again, re- you know, makes Frank slightly redeemable. But right, but yeah, just like I get creating a you know like a backstory of trauma for Frank and his behavior and everything else like that. But damn, that one was deep. <laughs> like they went deep and heavy with that one. I mean, I feel like the whole fucking film was that way. Like every, like it, it set up this pretense of like, all right, it's going to be really slow pace and easy and just like, look, we're just going to take you through some fucking dialogue of these two nut jobs talking to each other and developing some mm-hmm. sort of fuckable relationship. Uh, but then it goes into so many fucking deeper issues with these characters. Mm-hmm. That, of course, being the cherry on top, or not even the cherry. That was the whole fucking... That was the, <laughs> the whole Sunday. Yeah, that was the whole damn Sunday. Um, but, like, I feel like every scene was kind of heavy, and I just... I got a sense personally, the whole fucking movie was uncomfortable. Like every aspect of it. I'm just sitting there going, Oh my God, like all of these things that are coming to surface and coming to light, they're just constantly making me uncomfortable. But at the same time, I acknowledge that a lot of the stuff that was presented and it is very real shit. Like it's not, it might be the extreme version of things. Mm-hmm. But it's still based on, you know, real feelings in it. And I think that is what's probably better to focus on, I guess. Well, I also think about, like, he shares that personal experience. Who knows how long that's been? Who knows what kind of therapy he's gone through? Whatever the case may be. So he may have gotten to this, you know, well-adjusted adult area that he's in um you know through help and everything else like that yada yada blah blah but what happens is he tells it you know he he says it in a way where he he sounds like he's you know progressed beyond it and then he goes and well and then soon after you know Lindsay sees keith and the and the at the time fiance kissing and says you know i need to leave and so when she leaves she gives a little flip off back to him, but she, you can see she's a little bit softer to him because she now knows this about him. Right. He opened himself up to her and she's a little bit softer and, you know, letting him in a little bit more. And when she does a little flip off, he chuckles. And so you can see, Oh, walls are tumbling down. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets back to her hotel, she's talking to the plant about him. <laughs> Which, you know, like, I mean, instead of a friend, she's talking to a plant. But nonetheless, I mean, the plant is living. So therefore, ergo, still, she's talking to another living be- being about go. him. But nonetheless, 
there's there's that so you know it's just what you know what are those things where uh you know i just i I've, you know once they open themselves up to each other then all of a sudden the feelings and the love can like sort of prosper and like and it sets the scene for what happens in the future of the film right yeah. um and and I those were the those are the little tiny moments in the mass of dialogue that I like the most about this film, um, especially when uh, there's a part um, at the very beginning where Winona Ryder mentions that she doesn't remember the last time she dreamt, mm. and you can see Keanu or well, Frank shoot a look at her. Like a look of like I understand that, and like I get that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and and it's just it's those little looks, those little asides, those little vulnerabilities that when they're shared, they the the other person plays off of it, and if you catch those moments, they're fleeting, but they're fantastic to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's the subtleties of. That's where the romance is in this film. Exactly. This, this subtlety behind uh, actually observing and witnessing that connection grow. Mm-hmm. That deeper connection. And I mean, that's, that's really the, the underlying theme behind most rom-coms and most romantic stories, isn't it? Like yeah. just developing some sort of deeper connection with another soul that you're able to feel that open and comfortable with. Yeah, it's about opening yourself up and showing yourself, showing showing your whole ass to someone and having them accept it as opposed to being repulsed by it. Right. But also knowing when to open up too. That's always always but a struggle yeah. in life too. So like with with yeah. Frank, obviously this is someone. I mean, I think it goes for both of them, but Frank especially is someone that we assume has never really opened up and is content never opening up ever again um yeah this isn't someone who's necessarily been you know like uh lindsay's character been hurt by a bad romance in the past and is is still you know dealing with the scars of it it's beyond Mm -hmm. that this is someone who is a is borderline recluse someone who is becoming very content with being alone yeah Simply because, because he is so isolated in his own little bubble, he doesn't think anyone else would understand. Yeah, and and because it's safer, he can't get hurt there. Right, he can't get hurt. like he got hurt by his father and that, and you know his parents, which you know Winona Ryder also makes fun of him as like, how long are you going to use your parents as a crutch? And he's all like, what's so bad about crutches? <laughs> And it's just, I love that argument. Like, what's so bad about crutches? They help you heal. <laughs> like, yeah, and then she she brings up a very good retort to that, which is, yeah, but eventually you're done healing, and then you move on. You yeah. get on with your life. Yeah. Which I think exactly. is, a, is a very good takeaway from this movie, to, to say that, yes, everyone goes through shit that makes you want to isolate yourself and in your own little bubble because you don't think anyone else in the world would understand your point of view perfectly. Mm -hmm. And 
it's especially during a fucking pandemic, especially during 2020. I'm sure those feelings are at an all time high. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what do we all really fucking want? Just just a connection, just to be understood. And I feel like a lot like we've had the same conversation about always be my maybe. And oh, totally, uh, totally. and, And before that uh the uh the love guaranteed and it's just like movies like that seems to be the common thread between rom-coms that have been made in the last five years yeah like it it was also a common thread in rom-coms made before that it's been a common thread in rom-coms just in general but especially in the last five years how it's like we understand traumas occurred in your life but are you willing to get past it at some point Right. It's not the point where it's like, yeah, we've we've all got shit like, yeah, you're you're not you're not any more special than anyone else, but no one is more special than you either. So, like, everyone's got their fucking issues. They're just different. Everyone went through different things, but we all came through it walking away going. Man, that fucked me up. Yeah. So now now what? Now what am I going to do with it? (laughs) Who am I going to become? What am I going to learn from it? All that thing, all that stuff. So yeah, exactly. I was glad to see his character evolve a little bit, but do you really like, honestly, without flat out asking if they stay together, because we're not there yet, but without asking that, do do you think like either of them for that matter, grew not necessarily grew enough but like showed real actual potential for lasting change i guess i don't think necessarily that it's it's about change for instance i think it was more about like there that they as humans were still redeemable and worthy of love and that they as they are as they are and that and that someone recognized it finally in a you know um and i think that's that's the the thing with love in general in the 21st century is just that everyone is so i mean we're so afraid of like trolls and social media and this and that and every little thing gets nitpicked every little thing gets misinterpreted everything is is you know is open for judgment but at the, yeah. the same time it's it's not necessarily about you know fixing those things and getting them out of the way and becoming perfect it's more of laying it out there on the line just sort of dropping it all on the table like here is all of my shit when you're around me you're probably going to be disgusted by this thing this thing and this thing but at the same time you know it is what it is like yeah and and someone basically saying i see you for who you are and i still like you enough to want to be around you and choose to you know love you and that's what that's what it is like that's what yeah. that's what people have to learn how to accept at this point in, in yeah the 21st century. it's just that we can't be perfect um 
Yeah. And no one can. No one can. Yeah. And I, I know I know for is, for me specifically, perfectionism and the pursuit of that has always been a weird innate thing in my brain where I've yeah. always been too much of a perfectionist. And it's like, yeah, I cannot present myself to a relationship or to the world unless I've already like figured out my inner demons and all that shit. And it's like, no, that's you're, you're never going to reach a point in life where you're at one constant perfect state. Your entire life is an ever changing state. You're yeah. constantly in progress. You're constantly growing and learning, or at least you should be. That's good. It's good to change. It means you're, you're, you're growing. You don't stop growing in your teens and your twenties, you know, like you're still learning and experiencing life. So you're acquiring knowledge. And with that knowledge, you, there's going to be some cynicism and negative impacts as well. So as you grow older, learning to accept people for who they are, both the good and the bad is, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just naturally part of growing up and we can, we can understand that from an external point of view, but I don't know why it's so hard for our generation to accept it for our fucking selves. Like yeah. it's so hard to internalize that thought and just be like, look, I, I acknowledge that everyone else around me has their own problems and everything. And, you know, I, I feel bad for them and I, I understand and let's work through it together kind of thing, but I'm not going to show my true self to them because they wouldn't understand. What the, why? Look, we're all on the same level playing field here. We're all got fucking problems. So let's just, let's just be yeah. real about it all and move forward. That's exactly it. hundred um, percent. So, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, I the, one thing that is redeeming though is Frank's reaction to the mountain lion <laughs> or Puma or cheetah. <laughs> We're not in Africa. It's not a goddamn cheetah. <laughs> he finally said that. I just, I like that. See that whole dialogue and interplay is fucking hilarious to me. If you don't think that that's funny, completely fine. Do you're not gonna like this movie? But if that whole interplay of them like arguing about what type of jungle cat it is, while having their lives threatened by said jungle cat in the mountains alone. That's funny shit to yeah. me. <laughs> That's hilarity to me. So, um, but nonetheless. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, he finally steps up and gets them out of there and then they run away and then they tumble and then they decide, and then, you know, she's turned on by it, basically by the fact that he saved her. And so then they bone down on the hill. And have that sex scene, which also is where the kiss of the film happens. That whole entire <laughs> sequence of events. <laughs> what do you think of it? No, like your your laugh was exactly the reaction that I had to. Where it was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Like this sequence of events, I'm just gonna chuckle at it and. Um, 
I don't know. Like it was so fucking weird that they had that whole, in my opinion, I, while I liked the dialogue of the movie, just generally speaking, some of it, some of the scenes were so fucking drawn out for what I'm used to. So mm-hmm. it, it's like where there were perfect moments for like a cut scene to add to the comedic effect of the situation. It kept going. And it was like, it was just them. Like, t- for example, the cougar scene was hilarious to me at first. But then after a while, it's like, okay, I get it. You guys are arguing the cat is still there. Could something fucking happen? Like at this point, by the end of it, I was almost like, all right, just fucking attack them. Like, what are you waiting for? (laughs) They're talking. What are you doing? Just attack them. Because it was like, all right, this is, it's, it's getting, it's too long. And then they tumble down the hill and then they're like talking about sex. They're talking about kissing. And it's like, for fuck's sake, for the one moment in this movie, could you not talk? And I get why now they couldn't. Because that's not who they are. (laughs) That's not who they are. Exactly. But it Um, just made it, it was like a perfect symbolism for the rest of the movie for me, where it was like a lot of the movie where it was like, it was enjoyable to watch and entertaining, but it, it kept going in every scene it felt like and it was just like okay i get i get get the kind of people that they are i get it you set that up already can we mix in some like variations of something else you know some other scenes (laughs) or some other action or some other that's why when the actually when the cougar came about i was like pleasantly surprised i was like oh shit we got like got some real event here that is not just the two of these people in a scene. Now there's a third party involved. So now it's like a little bit different, but the sex scene was just so uncomfortable, but at the same time, partially realistic. I will give it credit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, how, like, this is awkward as hell, which means it's more realistic than most sex scenes. Absolutely. Yeah. Just from the whole awkwardness of taking off the underwear while outside. Like, I was like, that seems... Oh, my God. So real. Like, it's like, nothing about taking off your underwear outside is sexy when when trying to get ready to bed down. It flashed me back to so many just times I tried to have sex outside in high school with my girlfriend, sneaking around and getting away from parents and, and... teachers and everything and it never fucking worked it always ruined the romance of whatever the situation was which can only happen when you're a teenager and your hormones are still taking over the urge because as you're an adult and you're in that situation you're going all right fuck this shit i'm about to burn the clothes off of me if that's what it takes (laughs) yeah and then all the while of course the the narcissistic inner monologue of your brain is going I like. I don't know if I can get the underwear off fast enough. Uh, <laughs> oh God, yeah. It's so much about it was uncomfortably realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, was, um, um, personally, I give it a. It's just. I give it a B. <laughs> like this, the kiss and the sexy and just all of it. I give it a B. I I would give it a D. I I didn't like 
I yeah, just, you would give it the D, wouldn't you? I would definitely give it the D. Give it the D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was. It was. It was decent, but it was like, oh, uh, it was. It was played for comedy. It wasn't. Played yeah, for it, it was not a romantic. It was yeah, played for the calm part, not exactly, the wrong part. exactly. And, and yeah, and I get you know your reaction to it. I I have a little more leeway toward it, but of course, of course. Yeah. Um, and then, but at the same time, like they also don't you know want to run away from each other in that situation. They then go back to the same room. Yeah. And well they first they take a shower together, which is extremely intimate. Um, wow, I completely forgot about that scene. Yeah. They're singing Danny Boy while they're showering together. And it's like, wow, they're showering together. Like that is very intimate. But like, I mean, that makes sense that they would take that next step up. I mean they literally were just inside each other. Or he yeah. was inside of yeah you know um and then and then on top of that and it and it shows how they are how they think about each other now after that yes because they're like you could go the other way where after you have sex for the first time especially that soon into meeting someone mm-hmm. afterwards you're like yeah there's a level of intimacy here but it's a very premature level of intimacy and well, we're I mean, not there on that level with a lot of other things yet. So everything else is going to play catch up. You could act that way where it's like, yeah, yeah, go, go take a shower. I'll just, I'll just wait in your bed kind of thing. Well, look at the last movie we watched. Always be my maybe after the first time that they had sex, it's extremely awkward. And then there's a horrible fight in a Burger King. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that was a very real situation. There. Mm-hmm. This one there could have been the same kind of awkward, bad situation, but there wasn't. These two adults were like, that was a thing, and it was a real thing. So let's go ahead and keep hanging out after this wedding. Yeah, and I would argue that they didn't even consciously think about it at all because, well, at least Frank maybe didn't. Well, uh, well, I don't know. I, I would say the whole reason I was saying they didn't think about it consciously was because they were kind of going with it until Frank brought up at the end that they weren't going to see each other after this weekend. Yeah, but he brought it up later. He did. And and that's because uh, Lindsay brought up, you know, possible future love interest while he, the whole time was thinking this is a weekend thing. Right. But he was willing to, play in the fantasy for the rest of the day. But the point remains that obviously that even no matter how they were thinking about this weekend or, or whatever the sex was or whatever it meant, even if they were thinking about it, which I was saying, I, I doubt they did really think about it consciously, but even if they did, the fact remains that they both still opened up to each other to that level. They were both mm-hmm. that comfortable with each other. And despite whatever their intentions or thoughts may have been, like you said, that's a very significant level of intimacy. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that leads to my favorite scene of the movie, which is when they're in the bed, like explaining the other person to each other. Like, Mm, yeah. When he 
you know, tells tells her about like her curves and her ankles and like all all sorts of things. And I'm just like, he's saying it in such like specific like detail. <laughs> it's just like as if like a, a doctor was saying it about a patient. And at the same time, I'm just like, this is super sexy. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's like, goodness, this is. <laughs> well, it, it, certainly in context know. with what else he'd said throughout the movie up until that point, it, it definitely was like a welcome breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and along the same lines, like, you know, then she talks about him and his and his penis being, you know, straight and proper size <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like that part, like where they just they've let their walls down. They're just kind of completely, you know, given into being around each other at that moment. It's just so nice, like that these two have found each other in this storm of shit that they believe the world is <laughs> like yeah um and and then of course like it all breaks down which they it has to because it's a rom-com but at the same time i feel like they did it quickly which you know is not necessarily as rom-com they did like, they did yeah they did they did it quickly and then uh, i love when they're talking shit to the doctor <laughs> like Stop worrying about sleeping with her. You have a patient who has so whatever. <laughs> like they're just like focus on your patient, which I thought is a hilarious line. Um, and then it leads to the funny the plane ride home as well. When when her, her Lindsay is just drunk on Sutter home. So, <laughs> I did. I did me, enjoy that. That reminded me of going to like the movies with with girls in, in college oh yeah <laughs> so those little Sutter home bottles those are the go-to for for you know girls that i'd go to the dollar 50 movie with um, oh yeah i used like to my, my my target which was right next to the dollar 50 theater and then you know a, the girl would grab a fucking four pack of those Sutter home <laughs> ones and just down them while watching the movie and be drunk on the way out Uh, yeah my my ex and i used to bring uh like we used to get like wine boxes like those little like the the handheld box wines you know like they were i don't know maybe maybe 350 milliliters they were basically like two or three glasses of wine in a little carton and yeah. we used to used to pick them up from Target or Seven Eleven or whatever, and go into the movie theater with them. And she'd put them in her purse, and we'd take them in there and sit in the big like lounging chairs of the theater, because yeah. the theater from around our our apartment was uh, one of those big like the 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 Barca lounger type chairs. Ah, uh, yeah. With the like even footrests and everything. So we used to sneak these boxed wines in there and then sit there drinking Sutter Home. In our park and lounger movie theater, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> they call class, guys. God damn right. <laughs> and then, but then the goodbye they have at the cab ride, and like, if this is your your first time watching, that goodbye is slightly touching. 
is like, like yeah the way the care he shows for her exactly throughout yeah. it even through the awkward hug and you know this and that and the other like there's yeah. still you know the sense of like a real goodbye between the two of them yeah and then she does the flip-off thing as yeah. well to alleviate some of the the, the awkwardness attention. yeah but then frank of course figures it out like i i loved how they how he figured it out too and i love that from the cab ride there's no dialogue like there's technically this the tv talking in the background but there's no more dialogue in the film hmm the most affecting moments of the film at the very end of it were all there was no there's finally no talking oh that's an interesting observation i hadn't noticed that yeah because like he you know he's sitting there alone looking at all the gifts from the wedding with tv on the background and i'm sure he realizes in his you know loneliness at that moment that he needs to as Lindsay said in the plane ride embrace the miracle like even if there's a sliver of a chance of happiness that may or may not be real that in this you know life full of shit yeah that they need to embrace that miracle sort of thing yeah and and then of course you know he shows up at her place after she's breathing on the plant <laughs> and he clears his throat again and then they just look at each other with a smile and that's how the film ends, which I love. Like, that's the kind of ending I love. Hmm. Um, it reminds me of Dan in real life, the way that, like, he kind of shrugs with his girls while, you know, looking at Marie at that. And Marie sees them. Anyway. Right. Um, I, I just, I loved the ending and I loved that he finally got it, that we didn't need much of an explanation. We didn't yeah. need a montage. We didn't need a musical, this or that, the other. It was just, yeah, it, that was it. That was exactly what it should have been. Hmm. What did you think of the end? I well, now that you point out the lack of dialogue, I'm kind of like going back and and replaying some of those scenes in my mind, and yeah, it, it makes me appreciate that that ending sequence a little more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was kind of neutral on the whole ending. It 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 was fine. I I didn't really have any feelings one way or the other. Um, But yeah, I'm just, it really wasn't any dialogue, was there? Mm -mm. Which for a movie that is nothing but dialogue. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. I like that. I do like that. So. Well, and it, it, it shows that, uh, hang on here, maybe it's a, if you want to dig even deeper, maybe this is even a metaphor for like the inner dialogue, you know, like how both of their personality types allow for this constant inner dialogue within themselves, where all of these inner demons are constantly, you know, flying around and voicing their opinions in their minds and everything. And and the only time that those voices, that those 
that inner dialogue is ever quieted is when they're finally with each other. I don't necessarily agree with that because that then what was the whole entire movie? <laughs> like they were talking the entire time to each other. Yeah, but they were developing. They were developing a relationship. And now at the very end of it, that's when it's like the first moment of like, they have finally both acknowledged a connection. Whereas Frank yeah. wasn't, Frank was, was keeping a distance for the entire time. And Lindsay to trying. a point was keeping a distance for a while too. I I would say it's, it was more of, you know, along the same lines of what I mentioned very early about myself, where a lot of the internal dialogue, they get to let it be external when they're around each other sort of thing. And I feel like they, like, especially Frank realizes that he'd rather that internal dialogue be external and shared with someone. I think they realize the benefit of sharing with someone as opposed to being, you know, instead of being alone and closed off in their pit of despair. No, I, that's, I acknowledge that. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm just saying like from there, they take it an, an extra step further and it's finally like at the end, they've both finally like found their peace kind of thing. You know, so it's not as it's not as much about this hectic, you know, storm of thoughts and feelings just, you know, swirling around inside of you that you have to get out and express to someone that understands. Now it's gone beyond that. Now you've found someone who understands it and now you've gotten it all out. And now there's just you have finally both found peace with each other, which I thought was like. That's what I'm taking away is the symbolism from that, like lack of dialogue is like, after all that, you finally just, you found your own contentment, which is perfect, which is like, it's what we all fucking want out of life, (laughs) your own little (laughs) pocket of happiness. Yeah. So uh, as far as what happens after ever after, I think it's, you know, I, that they stay together. There, there's plenty of bickering and everything else like that, but they stay together. Um, you know, I, I, and I think it's just a matter. It's a mix of, um, you know, that they're right for each other, and a mix of no one else would want to deal with their shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, so. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, what's your verdict for the film? Well, this one was a tough one because I definitely enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot of the unique things it brought to the table. It was definitely a new spin on the genre for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um as many of, of your selections have been, they've definitely educated and broadened my horizons of the genre. But mm-hmm. uh, and I, I enjoyed the like I said, the camera angles were were incredible. Thought some of the scenery was was beautiful to see. Oh my god, those vineyards! Oh my god, yeah, 
tell you what, I'd fucking have a wedding there, hands down. I figured you'd like that. Part oh, Jesus Christ! I'd fucking live there, retire there, die there. You name it. Um, <laughs> but it, honestly, just from my own personal standpoint, I'd kill it. Just because it's not my type of movie and it's not my type of rom-com but with that said i do acknowledge that like if if you're in the mood for a more intellectual dialogue driven story about a couple in in their well into their adult phase of life but still dealing with some really shitty past stuff if you can relate to stuff like that, it's worth the watch because it, as this episode has shown, it's brought up some good conversation, but it's just not my type of rom-com, I guess. What about you? Fair. I'd marry it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just another, you know, keep the, keep it going. Uh, <laughs> as far as the, the streak here, but yeah. I'd marry it because it is my, as I mentioned in my tweet, like this is made for an audience of one and I'm that audience. I love (laughs) just like, I love dialogue. That's like fast and funny like that. Um, I love just that. Like having to having moments that are subtle enough to where you have to catch them, but Mm -hmm. broad enough to where you can see them happening. Um, which is what I, you know, I felt like some of the, like the looks that they shared and everything else like that, um, you know, things like that. I just, and, and the two actors are just really good. And <laughs> I, I just had a lot, I have a lot of fun when I watch that film, I've watched it twice and I'll watch it again in the future happily. So nice. I'm Aaron. All right. Yeah. So um, you can find us on socials. Uh, our show's Instagram is bromancing the stone podcast, all one word together, bromancing the stone podcast. And then on Twitter, it's at bro, the stone pod. Uh, you know, that's where I live tweet as well. So you can find those live tweets of the movies, uh, whenever I end up watching them. Um, and then, uh, uh my personal Twitter is at supermarket sweep without the E and super. So S U P R market sweep. Uh, and then my Instagram is at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-A-A. And then Max? On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted, except on Instagram, it's the underscore Lionhearted. And on Twitter, no. nope, it's the opposite. Wait, which one is it? I can never remember now. <laughs> it's period on Instagram and underscore on Twitter. I shouldn't have chosen two different forms of punctuation. Uh, yeah, underscore on Instagram and period on nope, nope, period on Instagram, underscore on Twitter. There we go. T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D for Instagram, and then the underscore L Y O N H E A R T E D for Twitter. But on Twitter, he you more just like follow along, yeah, you don't know, yeah. And I mean, he doesn't do much on Instagram either, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's they're there um, if you really want to, but. Yeah. And then uh, next week is your choice. And then we already have the week after that chosen for us, but. That's uh, right. 
next week is your choice. What uh, will you choose there? So next week, I'm going to keep the theme of this uh, finding someone through all the garbage heap of shit surrounding us uh, going. But I'm going to silly it up a little bit with something that I've been in the mood for with Halloween and the pandemic. It's time for a romantic comedy involving some zombies. So we're going to do Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. I have not seen that film. It's a it's a just a I, fun silly rom-com but but it involves zombies. So it's I thought it would be very apropos for this year and for Halloween. I know of it. Um, I haven't watched it, but I do know of it. So I am intrigued to watch it. Um, I've only I... seen it once, and I think it was maybe back in, I want to say like maybe in college or right after college. Maybe even, maybe more recent than that, but it, it feels like a long ass time ago since I've seen it. So it might be worth watching again. All right. Well, next week we'll be watching War Bodies. Until then. For the tens and tens of listeners, we love you. Thank you for listening once again. And we will catch you next week. Peace. Later. Later.